0: Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Everybody say, it's time to write a new song. Psalms chapter 40 said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Anybody ever been brought from there? Out of the miry clay. You've been brought from there? And set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Amen. God is good. You may be seated. I love you. I'm not going to be lengthy tonight. It is a school night, and I know the time. This generation of people that I preach to have grown up in an era we call the space age. We have seen wonderful results of the exploration of the universe. Lord, we've got missions to Mars and things beyond. However, Back when the space program started, things were not as they are today. When the United States launched its space program in 1958, seven men were chosen to become the first astronauts. seven. Imagine, I call them the magnificent seven. I used to love to read about astronauts. Imagine the excitement of Scott Carpenter and Gordon Cooper and John Glenn, one of my favorites, and Gus Grissom and Walter Shira, Alan Shepard and Deke Slayton. Seven men selected from among many to literally go where no one had ever gone before. And as astronauts, they felt the excitement and the thrill of being chosen, yet they also knew they would face unforeseen dangers, they'd face challenges, and they'd face trials. They were facing, folks, an unknown world that had not been penetrated and had not been discovered. And as a result of these difficulties and hardships, they had that feeling of anxiety in their life. Every one of them talked about the anxiousness, the thrill of the moment. And each of these astronauts realized that the thrill of being chosen was tempered with the thought of the great unknown in their future. Gathered here tonight, I see individuals. Individuals who have come to the house of God from varied walks. You've come from doctor's offices, you've come from attorney's offices, you've come from banks, you've come from your own business, you've come from fast food places eating real quick. You have tried to get your kids four tacos in their mouth on their way to church. <laughs> and they come, you come with varied walks of life and different personalities, different ideas and different opinions. We do. Thank God we are different. Thank God we're not all cloned. There's no two clouds that are alike. There's no two fingerprints that are alike. And everybody here has their own unique DNA. God is an awesome God, isn't He? We've different features, different attitudes, different outlooks, and different characteristics. But as different as we are and unlike to each other as we are, there is one common thread that joins us together. And the writer said, every man born of woman is but a few days and full of of trouble. Everybody say every man. I'm not a negative preacher, but I'm going to be realistic just a little while here tonight. Is that all right? Trouble is around us. Some more, some some less, but nevertheless we all have our times and our days and sometimes our weeks of trouble. Spiritual dangers are one thing facing us, but there are dangers in life that are ahead of us that we all must face. We don't know what's around the next bend, the danger of growing old, the danger of injury, the danger of failure, the danger of the consequences of life. And we don't know what the next day will hold for us. So each morning we face another uncertainty and a new threshold of potential, what the book called trouble. But see, trouble is what binds us together. That's why we come to church, because in a day of trouble we seek God for answers. Difficulty causes us to have compassion for others because we've all been there, sometimes, somewhere, in some respect, we've all had it. The uncertainty of life gives us that common thread that is woven to hold to because in spite of our many differences, we're all suffering from the same human disease that can be called, everybody say it, trouble. Trouble. That's right. I don't know when I've ever seen a moral collapse of a nation. I'm speaking now, okay? the last 12 years, a moral collapse, not only sexually in the morals, but the but the fact that life does not count anymore. We take better care of dogs and we take care, better care of whales than we take care of people now. I'm preaching a gospel here to a church. The old black spiritual that exclaimed the human feelings, no one knows the trouble that I've seen and it's an amazing thing what we have seen. We can all relate to the song of yesterday and that popular singer Tennessee Ernie Ford used to be one of my favorite when I was a little bitty boy. He said, I'm so tired and so weary, but I must, I must go along. David said, trouble is always near. He said that in Psalms 22. Isaiah proclaimed in Isaiah, for it is a day of trouble. Jeremiah said, it, it was a far reaching because mine enemies have heard my troubles. Daniel prophesied, for there shall be a time of trouble, and he prophesied this day. Jesus declared, in this world you shall have tribulation or trouble, but I'm glad he didn't stop there. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We're destined for it. If not today, then tomorrow. Certainly the future holds it for us. The other day I did something sinful. I'm going to confess it. I went to Target and I went there to look for some Christian songs that I could play on the radio going out or play on my tape player going out to West Texas. And my eyes spotted Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> I sinned and come short. And I've always, I always wanted to sing like John Fogarty. And there's several songs on there. It was their favorite songs and I got, I got a couple of spiritual records, but I never listened to them because Credence got a hold of my spirit. And they sang a long time ago, there's a bad moon on the rise. And as I heard them sing that and I replayed it and played it again, I replayed it and played it for the third time. I thought about the sermon that I would preach to this congregation tonight, that we are living in a, in a tough time, in a day of trouble. Yeah, sir. The seas are restless. It's a place really where two seas are meeting and it seems like that there is a, a choppiness and, a, and an uncertainty in our world. Trouble abounds in America. Trouble abounds in foreign countries. Trouble abounds in our society and trouble abounds around the world. And people are saying, show us somebody that can lead us out of this dilemma, out of this problem. I'd like to point tonight to one called Jesus Christ that can do that. But I know out there it might not be heard like it is in here. But we try to hope and trust and live right and do right. And we give our best, our best shot to be faithful and to pour ourselves into serving the Lord. And yet trouble seems to come. David said, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. That's good, David. That's real good. Very good. But as for me, trouble seems to find me even when God has me in a hiding place sometimes. Some of us see ourselves floating around in a sea of trouble, bouncing back and forth on the ways of difficulty and uncertainty. But I put three words in my notes right here. The first word is stop. Everybody say stop. stop. The second word is the same word. Everybody say stop. stop. The third word is stop. Say stop again. Stop. I've got three words for you. There is hope. There is hope. Amen. There is hope. Amen. I've done some recent study. On an uncommon mammal. And this portion of God's kingdom is so unique that it deserves our attention here tonight. We're studying. Now, I don't know if I can pronounce the scientific name, but the scientific name is Megaptera Nova ianglia. I'm talking about the humpback whale. It's one of the strangest creatures of all nature. The head of the humpback whale is broad and rounded when viewed from above, but slim when you look at it in profile. Adult males can measure up to 48 feet in length, and females can even be larger. And they can weigh up to 80,000 pounds, 40 tons. They're graceful. They're magnificent. They inspire awe in old and young people alike. These marine mammals travel great distances to take advantage of the best breeding grounds and feeding spots. The North Pacific humpbacks, for example, mate and give birth in Hawaii. Then they travel to Alaska each summer to feed. But the uniqueness does not stop there. Listen to me. Humpback whales are also commonly known for one other unique aspect. These gentle giants are famous for their singing ability. Boy, they can sing. And they have a Grand old Opry all the time. Belting out seductive ballads to attract mates. Or maybe vibrant melodies to challenge other would-be suitors for their mate. Humpbacks are called mammals that sing, you ready for this, the song of the sea. They sing the song of the sea. I want to just add right now, it's not in my notes. If humpback whales can sing the song of the sea, the church ought to be able to sing the song of this land. Amen. Amen. God bless America. Come on now. God bless America. Scientists have been able to gain special knowledge about these singing creatures. Now, you, now you, this, is going, this is going to get you. For instance, both male and females can produce sound. They have a mixed choir. Males appear to produce organized songs with distinct themes and melodies. Females, not so much. They just sing a little harmony. But this is the part that got me. The deeper they travel in the water, the more they sing. Did you get that? The deeper they go, the more they sing. The darker the depths of the ocean, the more they sing. Their songs can last up to 20 minutes. And you think our praise singers sing too many verses. And they can be heard 20 miles away. And if they're underwater, their sound still reverberates through the water. They're so powerful. While this may be boring to some people sitting here, I think it's intriguing that whales sing special songs. Not only do they sing, but song patterns can change gradually over time and in a different geographic locations. Scientists have observed that whales change their songs So that new songs emerge from them about every year to a year and a half. They don't sing the same old song. They don't have the same old dance. They don't talk about all the things of yesterday. The humpback whale has a combination of high and low pitch groanings. And those who have studied the whale say their songs are not worthy because these giants of the deep are continually changing their song. New patterns are added and old patterns are eliminated so that over a period of time the whale actually sings, are you ready for this, a whole new song. Who made that whale? Who made that whale? Our Heavenly Father, the Creator of all, made that whale. And if He made that whale not in His image, and that whale can sing a new song every year to a year and a half, what about us that have been made in His image? Why do we have to sing the same old song, have to dance the same old dance? It's a brand new season at Christian Life Church. We're going into the fall of the year this September, October, November, December. Some of you have had eight months of singing the same song. It's time tonight for you to open your mouth and learn a brand new song in your life. Learn a song of overcoming Learn a song of victory. Learn a song of triumph. Learn a song of getting over your past and getting over your failures. Learn a brand new song of victory like you've never learned in your life. Clap your hands and rejoice to that in the Lord. What I'm preaching is relevant for you and me today. I put this on the board, there's a sense in which a Christian should be continually composing new songs of praise around the fresh mercies of Almighty God. And I'm not talking about all of us trying to become Bill Gaither and starting composing songs for the public enjoyment. We'll leave that to Twila and Randy and people that come and help I'm talking about song that needs to be magnified and amplified inside our spirits today. I'm talking about a new vision, a new hope. I'm talking about singing with awakening instead of singing with deadening. I'm talking about singing with victory instead of singing with defeat. I'm talking about lifting my head to the sky instead of dragging my chin on the ground. I'm talking about a new psalm. While I believe that we must repeatedly affirm the fundamentals of our faith, the psalmist tells us that the works of God's deliverance in the lives of his people are many. How many ever been delivered? How many ever been set free from something? Come on now. How many of you about a year ago, two years ago might have been subject to some kind of addiction in life? And here you are tonight set free by the grace of God. How many of you may have been a victim to the bottle and you're not a victim to the bottle anymore? Come on now. How many may have been a victim to promiscuity and, 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 and all kinds of illegal activity with the world and with all kinds of fornication and, and adultery, but now you walk in cleanliness and purity because God Almighty has given you hope and the blood of Jesus has washed your sins away. You see, you got to sing with a new beat. You got to sing. You got to create a new tempo. You got to write some new music. God's mercies are fresh every morning, He restores new joy every day. Why can't our song at least change every now and then? Everybody say, Pastor, Pastor. I'm going to have me a fall song that causes me to get up. We don't have to remain the same person we've always been. You aren't stuck with today's personality. You aren't condemned to grumpidom. Is that a word? You don't have to live the same old life you've always lived. We are tweakable. We are changeable. God can adjust us. If you're known today as grumpy or grouchy, then you can have the operation of the Spirit and make a change in your life. Even if you're worried every day of your life up till now, you don't have to worry about the rest of your life because you can quit singing the song of worry and start singing the song of praise. You know what the anonym in the Old Testament and the Hebrew is of praise? It's to rub one's hands in frustration. It's a sign for worry. We don't need this in church. We need this in the house of God. We don't need anxiety in God's house. We need victory in God's house. We need a sedative of the Holy Ghost to baptize this church. There's too many people anxious over things they don't need to be anxious over. Because when you cast your fate, Brother Octavius, come up here right quick. Hurry. Come up here. You didn't know he was going to do this. Hurry, buddy. I trust you more than I do read. (laughs) Amen. Stand right there. Now, Octavius, I'm going to do something. I'm going to stand here. I want you to get your arms out. I want you to get your arms out. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to trust you because I'm going to fall back. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Who is that masked man? <laughs> it's a lone ranger. I'm going to fall again. He's going to help me. I'm going to fall again. He's going to help me. How many times are you going to fall and get helped until you say, hey, 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 hey? Thank you, son. I got a new song to sing. I got a new victory in my life. He will never leave me and never, ever forsake me. If things have gone against you every day until this very minute, you don't have to walk that path or sing that same ballad any longer. So what if you were told you were born a failure? So what? So what? Some people are ignorant. They don't know what they're saying. Are you gonna to listen to them? Who are you gonna let speak over you in your life? You gonna let somebody out there that don't know anything about life and he's been a failure all his life and she's been a failure? You gonna let them speak over? You're gonna let God speak over you. You're gonna let a pastor that loves you speak over you. You're gonna let this word speak over you. Somebody needs to hear a pastor tonight. You don't have to die a failure. What if you developed a handicap? You don't have to dwell on it. We don't have to worry about our past. We have a new future, a found future in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's a great thing. David said that God had put a new song in his mouth so that he could praise God. And many would see and fear and hear God. We need a new song. It's communion tonight, and we need a new song. Things change. Times change. People change. Why can't we change our song? Go with me back in history a couple of centuries ago. Let's go to Philippi, to a drab room surrounded by metal bars and strong, burly soldiers. Inside, we see a couple of men sitting on the floor bound in chains and fetters. One is an older feller, shoulder stooping, and perhaps he's balding. He might look a little like me. The other is somewhat younger. However, the look of hurt and pain is in his eyes and on his face. Both are chained. Both were convicted. Both were incarcerated for doing good. But it is the great apostle Paul and his revival companion Silas. And these men who were bound only by the will of God are now bound in chains. Having been thrown into a dark, dingy prison, now they await their fate. And I can just see them. I'm not trying to get you to be happy tonight. I'm trying to let you see a picture. I can just see them. Silas says, Paul, what you doing? And Paul says, hmm, I'm composing. Composing what? I'm hurting. It's dark in here, and you're doing what? You're composing? Paul said, hang on. I'm getting a melody in my spirit, Silas. Silas said, Paul, too many blows have left you senseless in your brain. And Paul said, Silas, it's time to sing. And Paul said, Silas said, Paul, I can't sing. And for what it's worth, you can't either. Your speech is contemptible, and your singing's worse than that. I've heard you and sing, I don't think so. My head's hurting, my back aches. My legs cramped, my feet are swollen, I got blood all over me and sweat in my eyes and I don't want to sing. And Paul said, Silas, there's a song in my heart and I'm feeling it right now. There's joy in my soul and I'm telling you how. Since Jesus forgave me, took my sins all apart, I got peace like a river and I've got a song in my heart. If I can look at these men who at midnight, bound in a prison cell, can sing a song of redemption to a Savior that birthed them in the Spirit, I'm here to declare to you, this church at 820 on Wednesday night ought to be able to sing like mockingbirds in this house tonight. (laughs) We ought to open our mouth, old-fashioned style, used to call it open letter style, open up and let her fly. Just let the song of the Lord come through your heart and come through your spirit and come through your life. There's nothing like it. You know what? Some of you might be refilled with the Holy Spirit in this house tonight. If you just allowed a song of praise to come through your whole being and just permeate everything that's around you and about you, it's time for the church to write a brand new song. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. Amen. I truly believe That God wants us to have a new song right now, right here, tonight. So where's your song? You singing the same old song you've always sung? Are you singing nobody cares anymore? Well, that may be right, but we don't have to sing that. (laughs) Singing I'm alone and beside myself. Singing I'm down in the dumps and plan on staying there. Singing I've got a bad attitude and don't try to change me. (laughs) Singing no one else cares, so why should I? And the way some of us sing, the only thing we need is a good country and western songwriter to follow us around for about a day. And they'd find a brand new hit for all the boozers to enjoy. (laughs) I want to say something about that. And I'm I'm not crazy in my preaching here. I want to say something about that. You can't live on that kind of music and worship this kind of God. And I want to say something else. You can't live on some of the stuff on television to worship this kind of God. Some people take television so to heart. Folks, they're actors. They get paid to make you feel scared and worried. And, and they're laughing all the way to the bank. I met Damon Wilson one time. He was the son of Sanford and Son. We had a four-hour meeting. We went to lunch, and he was one of the finest guys I ever met in my life. He's a spirit-filled preacher, preaches all over the country. He's a great guy. And I said, man, old Red Fox made you look dumb, son. (laughs) And he looked back at me and he said, preacher, he might have made me look dumb, but I laughed all the way to the bank. (laughs) Listen to me. Listen to me. There's 870 reality TV shows now. 870. And the word real is not even in the Bible in the King James. The truth is in the Bible. Oh, I'm blowing your mind now. But we're going to let reality shows take us away from truth. Amen. Reality said, Lazarus is dead. Truth said, get up. Reality said that Jairus's daughter had died. Jesus said, let's go. I'm going to raise her up. Reality said the widow son of Nain was on his way to a graveyard. Jesus said, stop, son, arise. Reality can't stand against truth. And I want to give you some truth tonight. Jesus is still in this house. Jesus still gives a new song. Jesus still saves people from their sin. Jesus still raises us up. I don't care what reality says to you. Jesus is the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that spirit right now. It's time to write a brand new song. (laughs) Lord, I didn't mean to do that. Some of us have been singing the song of doubt so long. It's time to try a new song of faith. God is faithful and still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And everybody's saying, you can. Say, I can. Say, I can. Say, I can. I can can do all things through Christ. (laughs) Who strengthens me? Some of us have been singing the song of anybody but me, but the Lord didn't give that song to you. He told Moses he could do it, and he did with a speech impediment. He told David he could do it and he did. And he didn't even have his name called in the lineup. He said, I just got a son out here in the field. Didn't even give it his name. He, got, he became king. He told Peter he could do it and he did. And I'm going to tell you, you can too. Some of you have been singing the song of fear. You're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid to step out. You're afraid to do that business thing. You're afraid to do something that, that you think that you'll fail because you've known failure before. But John said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We have been loved and perfect love, folks, cast out fear. I'm not far from finishing. But Jonah and the whale is a story known even by those who don't even claim Christianity. They know David and the giant. They know Samson and Delilah. And they know Jonah and the whale. People know it in the world. And we've preached about him, sung about him, told tales about him. But we have... But have we ever inspected his song? Notice something with me. After Jonah is thrown into the sea by his companions, you'll find him inside the belly of a great whale, perhaps a humpback. I don't know if the whale was singing, but I do know what Jonah was doing. He was changing his song. In 2 and 1 of Jonah, Jonah prayed. In verse 2, he said, I cried. Everybody say cried. cried. By reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Jonah cried, and the Lord heard him. And that word cry there denotes a wailing, a crying, to get the attention to his dilemma. But when he said that God heard him, the remainder of that verse says, And out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heard my voice. The second usage of cry is different than the first. The first is a wailing cry. The second is a shout of freedom. What are you saying? I'm saying that in one verse, the Lord turned Jonah's cry of wailing into a cry of a celebration of joy that God had heard his petition. It doesn't take long for God to give you a new song. It doesn't take long. All you have to do is get on your knees and say, God, I'm ready to sing a brand new song right now. And there'll something come out of you. There'll be joy come out of you. There'll be peace come out of you because there's something powerful about God wanting to change the song that we write in our life. No, you're not going under. That's what reality says. Truth said you're going over Woo! Randy, come and help me. His song changed. After he said, The Lord heard me, it was no longer Jonah in my trouble. When God heard him and he recognized that he was shouting for freedom and he was going to enjoy that freedom. I don't know how Jonah shouted in the belly of the whale, but he slopped and sloshed around till I have a feeling that that old whale was getting sick of what was going on inside of it. He'll turn your mourning into dancing, he'll turn your groanings into shouting. He'll turn your troubles into joy. I know, I know you can't. That's what hell says. Some get so low that it's impossible to compose anything but a blues melody. I only find one time in Scripture where Jesus sang. One time, and I'm closing. It wasn't after he fed the 5,000. It wasn't after he the lepers or raising Lazarus. Notice with me the place in the occasion where the gospel writer notes as the only place Jesus sang a song. He had been with the disciples for what he called the Last Supper. Judas had left him. The other disciples were suspicious of each other. He left the table with his friends and goes to the Mount of Olives. And in the garden, folks, of Gethsemane, he sung with his disciples. What did he sing? Did he sing the current down and out rendition? A blues version? The latest tearjerker? Maybe a little country western? What did he sing? The word used by Matthew to describe this hymn was the word humneo. H-U-M-N-E-O. There it is. Meaning to sing a song of celebration. In his darkest hour... Jesus changed tunes from what the world thought it should be. That's why the writer in Hebrew says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He wrote a new song in the darkest hour of his life. And when everybody left him, he sung a song of celebration. Because he was going to a cross for us. And he endured that cross because he saw us as joy. That breaks my heart. He saw me as joy. And he endured the cross and sung a song of celebration for me. I'm blown away by the truth. You can have your reality shows. I'm blown away by the truth of Jesus Christ. He's an awesome Savior. And when it came to the end, he rejoiced. So I ask, what are you singing? Don't you think it's time to write a new song? I know you're hurting. I know things aren't always as you wish. I understand that pain gets greater and greater sometime in your life. And I realize that it seems God's a million miles away. But start singing. Just start singing. The great 16th century theologian Martin Luther once experienced a long period of worry and despondency in his life, and he really got depressed. This continued for weeks until one day his wife appeared dressed in a black mourning clothes. She had mourning clothes on. And Luther said, who died? Wondering who in fact had died. His wife looked at him, and she said, God. God. God died. And Luther said, God, horrified and upset, he said, how can you say such a thing about the eternal God of heaven? She replied, I'm only saying what you're living. It's time to quit living like God is not in our life. It's time to walk away from the reality the world paints to the truth that God is. And just a little footnote, I don't know if this is something that makes me smart, but I read a long time ago that when a whale has a cancer, a tumor, when a whale has a tumor, they beach themselves. And the, and the, the people that are looking for that thing, it's called an ambergris, that whale's tumor is called an ambergris, and they come and they harvest that ambergris. They cut it out of that whale. You know Why? Because that's where they send it to factories and they make perfume and cologne and all the stuff that makes us smell good. Can I tell you something? The cancer of a singing whale makes everything sweet around it. What would a singing church and a church that praises God through every situation due to a world. It might put a smell of glory in this world like we've never known before. I refuse to sit and hulk and sit and just hunker down. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to preach to this church that truth still reigns and Jesus is still Lord and that we will sing a brand new song. Amen? A brand new